Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Eli. He is the head honcho, also known as the lead creative person, for the Mythic Gazetteer. I think I said that right. And the something cool is they're soon to be launching Kickstarter for the Blackwood setting for Savage Worlds. Eli, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Happy to have you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've been communicating through email and through Twitter and a bunch of things. And, you know, you've been telling me about this setting that you're working on and you're all excited about it. I checked out some links. It looks really cool. But there's, a, there's again, there's an audacity to bringing things to Kickstarter. So I want to know a little bit about you, about what you guys have been doing, uh, I guess, your team to, to get to this point. And then what exactly is Blackwood and why people should be excited about it? So let's break that down first. Who are you and what exactly is the Mythic Gazetteer? Yeah, well, you know, as you said, I'm Eli and I'm the head honcho over at the Mythic Gazetteer. Uh, we're a pretty small operation. We're a brand new, independent, small house publishing company. And we are recently official Savage Worlds licensees. So that is uh, sort of our bread and butter in terms of our publishing endeavors. But we do have plans to publish some uh, smaller games outside, just kind of doing whatever we want. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's an operation with just the three of us. It's me and uh, a friend of mine from college by the name of Derek Smith. He is kind of our uh, uh, legal watch guardian, and he uh, <laughs> also helps to uh, do some writing on the side as well. And then the third person in the Mythic Gazetteer is my fiance Keely. And she is here uh, for moral support, and she also is a pretty mean administrator, so she does a lot of uh, <laughs> organizational things on the back end. Keeps you guys in line. Yeah, that's right. Make sure we don't get too squirrely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, you first of all, you mentioned that this is an official license setting, which, again, I'm I'm wholly ignorant of that. So, so what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so the way Savage Worlds works, uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group is the group that uh, owns Savage Worlds and created it, and they have a pretty huge stable of licensees. And what they do is they say, hey, you know, if you want to publish material under the official Savage Worlds license, you can do that, and we're not even going to charge you for it. Uh, all that we need from you is to see that you have strong writing capabilities, uh, that you come up with some great ideas and some interesting worlds that are different from the ones we already have published, and that you have the chops to be able to create a pretty looking document. And so <laughs> we uh, we submitted for a license back in February, and uh, to I guess whenever we put all that together, we had been working on the Blackwood for several years beforehand. It was kind of a a hobby project of mine that became a lot more serious about a year or two ago. And uh, so we had a lot of writing that we could give to them. And then we also had some uh, one-sheet adventures and some character archetypes that we had put together back in late fall of last year. And we sent all that information off to them and we told them, you know, this is who we are and this is what we love to do. And we've been fans of Savage Worlds for a long time. And then we heard back from them. Actually, we were really surprised at how quickly we heard back from them. And we, they said that everything looked good. And so they gave us permission to use the license. And that was that. It was really a simple and painless process, <laughs> aside from all the agonizing building up to it. You know, is it going to be good enough? Are we doing the right thing? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you say that it's painless, but I have to imagine for myself and anyone listening, there was a lot of work that went 
into that beforehand? Like I said, you've, you've been working on this kind of for years. It probably would have been different if you'd like, hey, let's do this and sat down and tried to write something that would have been good enough. Right. It's totally true. And you should have seen me the night that I made the submission. I was pacing around my apartment. I was like, I had the email drafted and ready to go. And then I walked away for a couple hours and then I came back and I was like, what's it look like? Does it look okay? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, finally I hit the send button and I walked into the living room and I just kind of like, bent down and put my head in my hands. And I was like, Keely, I did it. I did it. And it's done. And that's that. And we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> and luckily, I mean, like I said, it, it was actually a really swift approval process. So I was agonizing more or less for nothing, but man, it didn't feel like nothing while it was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, from my days in college, which are, are at this point a long time ago, it always seemed like when I was confident that's when I did poorly. And when I was worried, that's when I did well. So that, that stress of wanting to do a good job probably paid some dividends. Yeah, no, it's the same for me as well. It was, uh, <laughs> it was worth the stress. And I guess I invested it wisely. <laughs> so, and I, I did just kind of want to say that I, I think that's kind of a cool thing. You know, the fact that you had someone, you know, the, the people who run the, the game sort of have already signed off and in a way to what you guys are trying to do. And I think that that should hold some water for some people, uh, you know, because I mean, there's Kickstarters coming out left and right at this point. And that's not to say those other ones aren't worthy and they're not good stuff. But in my mind, that, that holds a little bit of weight that the company's already said, this group is doing something that is, that's quality enough that we are okay with our name being attached. So I think that's a compliment to you and the team and you should be proud of that. Yeah, well, thank you. We, uh, we're pretty excited about it. And, you know, uh, Pinnacle has been really great from the beginning. Even before we were, even months before we were going to submit for a license, it was really easy to send them an email and we would get a response back, you know, same day or the day after. And they were really helpful in terms of either answering our questions or pointing us to resources that they already had available and that sort of thing. So it's been a really awesome experience from pretty much the get-go. So I want to get into the Kickstarter itself here in a minute, but before mm -hmm. we do that, um, I wanted to circle back around to uh, to your website, The Mythic Gazetteer. So what is that and how does that relate to what what's going to be on the Kickstarter? Yeah, so The Mythic Gazetteer is two things at once. Uh, here in the real world, The Mythic Gazetteer is the name of our publishing company, and it is a website that is mostly a blog, but it also has some uh, resources as far as like, I do uh, custom fantasy mapping commissions as well. And so I've got my portfolio there and information about how people can contact me and all that stuff. Um, but like I said, it's mostly a blog. So I've been a game master for a long time now, uh, 15 or 20 years, and I uh, have a lot of thoughts about how game mastering can be improved and uh, just little insights here and there that I pick up. And so I've got a lot of posts like that that are uh, peppered throughout the place, but I also have a lot of information about the Blackwood setting, uh, both in character uh, in terms of like revealing the game or revealing parts of the world and also uh, behind the scenes, looking at, you know, my my game design process and all of that as I go through and, and create the setting. I'm probably asking a foolish question, but what would be the URL to your website? Yeah, it's www.mythicgazetteer.com. Uh, one word in the actual meat of the URL there. Okay, very cool. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we, we are the RPG Academy here. We talk about a lot of games, though we are very heavily focused on D&D &D for, for multiple reasons. Uh, I have said if it wasn't for D&D &D 5th Edition coming out when it did, I probably would be playing 13th Age. Mm. If it wasn't 13th Age, it would probably be Savage Worlds. 
I've only played it a, a few times, but every time I play it, I really enjoy it. And I kind of enjoy it more as I get more you know, familiarity with the system. So what is it about Savage Worlds that you like so much that one, you that's kind of the game you play the most of, I guess. And then that you would want to write a setting for that game as opposed to, again, D&D or something else. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I realized that I uh, forgot to answer the second part of your question. <laughs> so, so I got to backtrack. Well, really I, quick. I probably detoured. So it's not your fault. No, it's no problem. Uh, so the Mythic Gazetteer is our real world company, but it's also a publishing company that is within the world of the Blackwood, because one of the things that we're planning to do is publish multiple settings that all take place in this in this one world, but they're going to be at different points on the world's timeline. So the Blackwood is a medieval fantasy type game. We're going to have another that's going to be kind of a, a Wild West steampunk uh, type of setting uh, that combines the United States Wild West and also some African cultures, uh, Yoruba specifically. But the Mythic Gazetteer in the world of the Blackwood takes place in what is a diesel punk setting. And it's uh, it's going to be a kind of adventuring company that takes people out on tours of these places that are both real and imaginary. So uh, we've got a little bit of uh, meta content, I suppose, even in the name of <laughs> <Okay>. our company. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I am sorry. What was the question that I had uh, just skipped over? <laughs> no. So it's uh, about Savage Worlds. What is it about the Savage World game system that 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 is you enjoy that has drawn you to run it, and and then again now design a setting for it. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, in brief, kind of sum up my history with gaming. I started when I was in high school, and I played D&D 3.5. Uh, my first character was a gnomish monk, which was kind of outlandish, but I was inspired by a webcomic that I was reading at the time. And from there, I played a lot of D&D 3.5. I played a lot of Pathfinder. And then I went to college and kind of died off a little bit before I dove back into Pathfinder eventually. Uh, then I moved to Chicago, and I've been here for the past six years. And the first three years or so, it was really difficult for me to find a gaming group, so I did a lot of gaming online. Uh, and that's kind of when I started writing the Blackwood setting. I was it's it's an, it's a nostalgic setting in a lot of ways. It explores both my personal family history and also the things that I like about uh, different hobbies of mine, but particularly about my culture, uh, American culture. And uh, anyway, so I was working on the Blackwood, and it was originally a system-neutral setting. And then I realized I want people to play in this, so I found an uh, independent, free uh, RPG called Warrior, Rogue, and Mage. Mm -hmm. And I liked it because it was really rules-light. It was super easy to teach to people. It didn't have any classes or anything like that, so there was really not a whole lot to grok before you dive into gameplay. And it was great, but there isn't a whole lot of support for that system, and it is a really rules-light system. And so when it came time that I decided I wanted to publish the Blackwood, I was like, well, I've got to find a system that would be more friendly to that sort of endeavor. And I was looking around. I didn't really want to go back to D&D &D or to Pathfinder because those were a little crunchier than I was looking for. I knew that one of the most important parts of the setting was this kind of really heroic action where you aren't necessarily crunching numbers the whole time. You're just going out and, and, and beating people up and taking names or whatever. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of mental bookkeeping involved. And, um, I also am a huge fan of the pulp genre. So I was looking around and I kept hearing this stuff about savage worlds and I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but the more I looked into it, the more intrigued I was. And then I saw that the core rules are 10 bucks to be able yeah. to get, all of it with the bestiary and everything. 
And uh, I was like, well, I don't have an excuse. I got to give it a try. So <laughs> I, I bought the book and I read through it and I really loved it. I ran a, I ran a combat scenario just kind of by myself at my dining room table. And I had 20 different characters in this combat and I was able to resolve it in an hour just by myself. And I was like, well, <laughs> sold. Okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I started adapting the Blackwood to Savage Worlds. And that's when I kind of found out about the Savage Worlds community on Google Plus, uh, which is really vibrant. I didn't even realize Google Plus was a thing until I started going to this community. But uh, it turns out it's a pretty big place for gamers. So uh, and yeah, the community was really supportive in terms of uh, taking interest in the project and providing feedback and and even playtesting and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was a really great system, uh, not only in terms of the rules itself, but also in terms of the people around it. And uh, I just fell in love really hard, and I haven't really looked back since. I still play a lot of other games, but uh, Savage Worlds is definitely my main squeeze. <laughs> Again, it's a it's a fun uh, excuse me it's a fun system. I really enjoy how flexible it is. You know, you oh, can yeah. basically do anything, and then you add the trapping so that everything feels unique at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, only, I haven't I haven't played it enough to really be sold or or to to walk away one way or the other. But every time I've played it, I've enjoyed it, and uh, I've I've had a lot of fun with the few times that I have played it. I think it strikes a really fine balance between. Satisfying tactical gamers with uh, the different mechanics that are at play, but also letting the mechanics get out of the way so you can enjoy a story. You know, I, I like a good tactical fight, but I am an actor in my other other life and uh, I really appreciate character and story. And so Savage Worlds helps facilitate that in quite a few ways. Yeah. So anyone who might be listening who's not overly familiar with Savage Worlds Definitely worth checking out. Again, the, the core book, $10, $12 or something, everything you need to play. Uh, if you go into any local conventions, you know, try to get into a Savage Worlds game. And you had mentioned that you guys um, have done some play tests of Blackwood before we were recording. And there's a YouTube channel, so people would be able to go and actually watch you or sub- or your table play the game. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I had a bunch of friends that I played with throughout high school and college, and I had really enjoyed the way that they role played and the way they approached gaming in general. And so I contacted them, um, you know, I guess it would have been almost a year and a half ago at this point. And I was like, hey, I've got this idea for a game. I'd love to broadcast it on YouTube and I'd like you guys to play in it. And uh, they all said yes. So we uh, fired it up. And I I have to give a disclaimer. The first couple of episodes, maybe the first three episodes of this playtest campaign, uh, my rules mastery was not as advanced as it is now. <laughs> so there were a lot of times when I would give a ruling in the middle of the game. And then afterward I would read and I'm like, Oh, it's the opposite of what I ruled. Okay, great. (laughs) Yes. Complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, Everyone does that. That's that, that's no biggie. Uh, But uh, where's your channel? If people want to go check it out. Yeah. So my channel is on YouTube and it's just my name. So uh, it would be, I don't think I have a custom URL for it, but if you look up uh, either Blackwood Codex or uh, Eli Kurtz, you would find it on YouTube and uh, you could check out, I think we have 13 episodes in the actual campaign that we played. And then we've got another three or four of just isolated one shots. Okay. And we'll throw links in the show notes for anyone who's listening now and just wants to be able to click the button. We'll, we'll get you there pretty easy. So before we get into the actual Kickstarter again, I want to take one more detour and, and talk a little bit about what the Blackwood setting is and kind of like where what inspired it. 
you know, because everybody can play homebrew. You know, there's so many settings out there that are you can buy off the shelf and others. People are kickstarting, you know, every day. So what is it about Blackwood that's unique or special that you think is worth people taking a look at and that would make them want to buy it to play in this world? Sure. Well, um, first of all, I, I mentioned that the Blackwood is kind of a nostalgic setting. I had moved to Chicago, which means I had just moved away from my hometown in, in uh, southern Missouri. And I was surrounded by forests down there, and I played in them all the time. Uh, I, I was a Boy Scout, so I went camping a lot, too. And I just really missed that kind of rural atmosphere while I was surrounded by all these skyscrapers here. Um, and I was also leaving my family, so I was, or moving away from my family anyway, so I was, I was kind of nostalgic about where I came from and the people I had surrounded myself with and everything. Um, and so the Blackwood is inspired by three things primarily Grimm's Tales, early American folklore, and high flying wuxia action. Uh, it's a daunting frontier of outlaws, pagans, and strange meddlesome, meddlesome elves. Uh, the gist is that you are errants who is a wandering class of warriors, and you search the forest for a way to save the settled people of the Elder Kingdom, despite a landscape of deadly beauty and a crumbling ruling class. So uh, there's a lot going on, and it's uh, it might be a little contradictory at first glance, but I think everything works together really well. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, I, it's a nostalgic setting, and I am primarily... German heritage, but my family has been in America for a long time. So I was interested in kind of the folklore of those two cultures. And then since I was a kid, I've always loved, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the old Jackie Chan uh, and Jet Li and even Bruce Lee uh, martial arts movies and stuff. And I just really appreciated that kind of magical martial arts action that went on. So I, I wanted to find a way to kind of combine those those three things. My thinking was that the folklore was the familiar element in the fantasy setting, and then the wuxia would be what made it stand out from the pack. So I guess the vibe that I'm getting off of what you said, and I, again, I don't know because we haven't talked about this yet, is that the characters that you play would more represent the wuxia, and the setting was more along the folklore. Is, is that close? That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So one of the hallmarks of the wuxia genre is that there are two worlds at play at once. You've got the humdrum world where uh, government is corrupt or ineffectual and people are, you know, soldiering on, but they're they're struggling. And then you've also got this separate world where they're the Jiang Hu. It's called the, the world of lakes and rivers. And it's this martial underworld where all of these uh, warriors and, and mystics and, and scholars and people uh, they live by this code of personal passion and uh, seeking glory and revenge and all this stuff. And they, because the government is ineffectual and corrupt, the Zhang Hu uh, or the, the Shah, as they're called, they are able to uh, sort of act in the normal world and act as a sort of either police force or kind of a bandit force too. There's no real moral code that guides these Shah. And so you could be either good or bad. And this dichotomy is one of the central elements of the Blackwoods. So you've got the Elder Kingdom, which is this ancient kingdom that's existed within the Blackwood for over a thousand years. And it's been guided by this figure called the Elder King. And it's not really clear if that's a title that's been inherited throughout the generations, or if there's one human who happens to have been alive for over a thousand years, it's one of the central mysteries of the setting. 
Um, but, sort of a Dread Pirate Robert situation, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, there's the there's the legend that surrounds it, but then the reality might be something different. And and in the course of your adventures, you'll find out which is the truth, you know. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that the Elder King is responsible for humans being able to survive in the Blackwood at all, because the Blackwood is this deeply magical forest where there are all of these magical creatures, including elves, which are not Tolkien Legolas style elves. They're like Rumpelstiltskin and they're like, they're like the Fey courts and that sort of thing. They're almost alien in their otherness and they don't like humans living there, but the Elder King <laughs> has taught humans to venerate their ancestors and their ancestors' spirits are able to kind of push back the wilderness and find pockets where you can survive within this otherwise magical and constantly changing forest. Okay. Yes, there's there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there is. Yeah, it's a, it's a big it's it's a big pill to swallow right at the beginning, but uh, one of the things that I'm doing as I'm writing the setting, I was inspired by um uh, a lot of the early editions of Dungeons and Dragons, like the the Mensa Redbox, for example, his edit in particular, it starts off with kind of a choose your own adventure solo adventure thing. That was my introduction to D anD D was that solo adventure where you find the the female cleric and you get bit by the snake and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's so cool because as you play or as you read through that choose your own adventure story, it teaches you, you know, this is what an attack roll is. This is what uh, AC is. Like this is how you calculate hit points and this is how you deal damage and that. And as you're going through this story where you're really just immersing yourself in the fiction, you're also learning how to play the game. And so that's something that I'm doing with the Blackwood as well. It starts off with this choose your own adventure section where you basically are guarding a caravan along a forest road from one town to another. And then out of nowhere, an elf shows up and uh, chaos breaks out and you have to escape uh, because there really is no fighting against this particular elf. It's just too powerful. But, you know, it's a choose your own adventure that immerses you in the setting and teaches you a little bit about maybe not what the rules mechanics are like, but definitely what kind of behavior will uh, help you survive in the Blackwood. Okay. So kind of the last thing before we get into the Kickstarter proper is this sounds like a very sort of lore heavy setting. And I can see there being a lot of words dedicated to making this setting vibrant and something you can play in. Mm -hmm. But what about the mechanical aspects? Are, Are there specific rules or mechanical tweaks to make Savage Worlds sort of fit better with what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that Savage Worlds encourages people to do is to come up with setting rules for their individual settings. And so uh, there are a few things that I've added to the Blackwood that are uh, crunchier aspects of of how we can exemplify the tone of the setting, you know. Uh, One of them is called Lessons Learned. And uh, Savage Worlds has a mechanic called Interludes, where basically you draw from a deck of cards and the suit of the card will tell you You're supposed to reflect on a story from your character's past that has to do with, you know, desire or victory or tragedy or something. And then in exchange for telling this story, you get a Benny, which is like a fate point or like an inspiration or something for people who are not familiar with Savage Worlds. And so I took that and it was a really nice system for telling stories. And obviously, if if your setting is inspired by folklore, telling stories is an important thing to do. And so I took it and I looked at it and I said, it's a really bare bones system right now. But what I want to do is make it so that whenever you draw a card, it's not just the suit, but it's also the value. And between those two pieces of information, you craft uh, or you get the, the skeleton for a folktale. And so I read a bunch of Grimm's Tales and I read a bunch of Asian folklore and I read a lot of early American folklore, too. 
And I, I looked for common points throughout these stories uh, or themes that you might come across more often than not. And so I populated this uh, mechanic with all of these things. So you draw a card and you basically have a custom tailored Blackwood story that you can tell yourself. And then not only does it give you a Benny, but it also gives you a bonus to your next action. So the idea is like you're in a pitched battle and things are not going your way. And then you remember, oh, something like this happened to me once. Or like, oh, I heard a story that that applies to this situation. And then you take a, a flashback and you tell that story. And then all of a sudden you have the ability to uh, act a little better than you would otherwise in that in that moment. No, that's very cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, thanks. So, so that's one of the mechanics. And then also, obviously, if it's a wuxia, high-flying action setting, it's going to need to have some pretty cool fighting schools. Um, and Savage Worlds has a lot of uh, licensee and even official settings that have fighting schools, but the core rules don't have anything like that. So I'm also working on a uh, short... Uh, they're basically feats, but they're called edges in Savage Worlds, uh, a short sure. edge tree that can be custom tailored to nine different martial arts that are each inspired by either a Savage Worlds mechanic that I think doesn't get enough love, like grappling or like, uh, you know, uh, being able to share bonuses with allies and stuff like that. Um, and then the styles are also inspired by real world martial arts. So I've got one that's uh, basically drunken boxing. I've got one that's capoeira. Um, I've got some hard and soft styles mixed in there too. And um, yeah, so you can progress on a, on a path toward mastery where you start off as a student and you know a little bit, and then eventually you're a master and you can take students of your own and start up a school if you want to or something like that. All right. Very, very cool. So anyone who's listened to this point, they're either in or they're out. Yeah. <laughs> if they're in, we want them to go to the Kickstarter. So what are they going to find when they go there? Yeah. So the Kickstarter... Uh, this is our first Kickstarter campaign, and we are uh, we are nervous about – we want to make sure that we can produce a product on time that is satisfactory for everybody. So uh, this is a learning experience for us, but we are using it as an opportunity to run a bare-bones Kickstarter that will create a beautiful product. So I know a lot of Kickstarters will have like, you know, if you buy in at this level, then you get the book and you also get – you know, a deck of cards and you get a t-shirt and a hat and you get uh, like a, all sorts of stuff, you know. Uh, we're not doing any of that because that's supply chains that we don't want to deal with. <laughs> yeah. um, instead, as far as the funding tiers are concerned, you can get a PDF of the book. You can get a print-on-demand copy uh, from DriveThruRPG. Uh, I'm also going to be selling a 12 by 18 paper map of the setting that I've been working on. And then... Other stretch goals will be things like, you know, if you back at this level, then you can help to describe an NPC that would be available for the players to encounter in the course of the game. Or you can uh, describe a location that the players might encounter. Uh, the highest tier is one where I will run a virtual game for the uh, the backer and their players. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's pretty simple. And like our, our stretch goals and things like that are mostly dedicated to producing more more art, uh, color art, better art, bringing more artists into the mix as well. Although we do have one stretch goal where we're going to produce a separate document. Uh, it's going to be a short collection of tales that will be uh, contributed by guest writers from the Savage Worlds community. And in addition to having adventures that are going to be in there, we're also commissioning some actual writers to write little folk tales that are Blackwood specific. And so it'll have four one-shot adventures, and then it'll have two or three uh, little folk tales that'll be sprinkled in there too. 
And will those folktales be quote unquote canon to the setting, like things that your characters would have heard about or know about? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, we want them to be emblematic of different major themes in the Blackwood. So, you know, there will be one that talks about the relationship between humans and their ancestors. There will be another one that talks about the relationship between the Elder Kingdom and the elves that want to destroy the Elder Kingdom. Uh, and uh, it'll it'll go along those lines. All right. Very cool. So uh, let's talk about money. Uh, what is your goal? What are, what are you guys trying to get to to make this happen? Yeah, we need $5,000 to produce the base book. And that's going to produce uh, it's a 55,000 word document right now. And it's got about uh, we're going to have I think it's something like 30 images in there to start off. Uh, and they will be black and white or grayscale. Uh, it's going to be a black and white book to start off. But like I said, one of our stretch goals is partial color and another one is full color. So eventually this could be a really beautiful book. And like I said, uh, to start off, the base book is going to have around 30 art pieces throughout, ranging from quarter page item sketches to half page uh, environment images and that sort of thing. And then further stretch goals will unlock more and more art to where eventually we could have basically a piece of art on every page. So yeah, the, the whole campaign is designed to make the book as beautiful as possible. And I think that's smart. And, you know, I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but I do, I am now periphery to a lot of Kickstarters, uh, both from the show and just the things that I'm interested in and want to buy. And I think for a first Kickstarter, 5,000 is a very reasonable goal, and it doesn't sound like you're getting overwhelmed with stretch goals. Like you said, you know, adding in custom dice and cards and t-shirts and this stuff, it's, it sounds great, but then it just makes it more likely you're not going to be able to get completed on time or you're going to let backers down by not delivering or not delivering on time. So I think it's smart to do it that way, and obviously I hope that you do very well. So specifically, as far as like, what is the cheapest way to get in, and then what would the book cost you? Yeah, so our uh, our lowest stretch goal is $10, and uh, that will get you the PDF. Uh, and then if you want to get a physical copy of the book, it's a $15 funding tier, and then you get a uh, discount or you get a code for an at cost print on demand copy of the game through DriveThruRPG, which is going to run you another probably in between five and $10 extra. So it's, uh, it's not going to be too expensive. And then, you know, retail prices obviously will be a little higher than both of those. But, um, yeah, we wanted, we wanted to provide easy entry points for a lot of people. You know, we didn't want to, uh, we didn't want to try and convince people to fork over an arm and a leg to pay for our book. Right. Which again is smart. So I, I assume that if you do the print on demand, you would also get the PDF. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you do the physical backing, then it also comes with a PDF copy. And then you'd mentioned uh, about the map that you're you're designing. Um, how does that relate to the Kickstarter? How do you get that? Is it a stretch goal or is it an add-on sort of situation? Yeah, we thought about doing it as an add-on, but uh, we have a Kickstarter consultant. Uh, Eric Simon from Foreign Hand Games is uh, helping us to kind of get the Kickstarter organized since this is our first time. And he uh, has he said that add-ons are nice, but they can be difficult to track. And so we've decided instead that we're going to have this map as part of the funding tiers. So if you want to, if you want the map, then you will also back uh, as far as the physical copy of the game. And so, yeah, like the first three tiers, you've got the PDF backing level, you've got PDF plus a physical copy of the book, and then you've got PDF, physical copy, and maps, or just the one map. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a 12 by 18 map. It's all hand-drawn. It's going to have examples of heraldry from the Blackwood, and it's going to have uh, 
a pretty high art value. We've, we, I, I've been able to go in. I recently got a, a tablet that I can draw on my computer with. And so it's just, <laughs> my life is transformed, <laughs> but we've actually got like, you know, you can see the villages and the cities of the, of the kingdom. And you can see not only that, but you can also see like how far their fields stretch out from their city walls and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. If I say so myself, I guess I, I should be <laughs> modest. <laughs> so, well, well, if you want other people to weigh in, is there any sneak peeks of this anywhere? I assume at the, on the Kickstarter, because uh, we're recording this before the Kickstarter goes live, there'll be sneak peeks at certain things? Absolutely. We're going to have some examples of art on there. We're going to have a preview of the map. We're going to have a lot of stuff like that. But you can also find out a lot of this on my on my website, the Mythic Gazetteer. Uh, we have links to all of our uh, like one sheets and archetypes that we've created. We also love to put previews of our uh, of our maps and other things like that on there. So that's going to be the best place to go for a lot of information pre-Kickstarter. But during the Kickstarter, everything you need to know will be on that page. All right. Very cool. And if anyone is listening to this now, more than likely the Kickstarter is already live or it will be live within a couple hours. Uh, most likely when you listen to this, it will have already been live for a few hours. So you can go directly to there, check things out and see if this is something you want to support with either a donation or getting a copy physical or otherwise uh, of the book to support Eli and his team. Mm -hmm. uh, you had sent me some links before we set up the interview. You also have some free stuff on drive through RPG that people can check out. Yeah, like I said, we've got uh, two one-sheet adventures that are out at the time of this recording, but we've got two more that are going to be in the works. And those four one-sheet adventures together are going to take you through an entire year in the Blackwood. So it's going to start off with a springtime story, and then there will be a summertime, a fall, and a winter as well. Uh, because the Blackwood calendar starts with the spring equinox. The year begins uh, as winter is ending. Um, but we've got those two to four one sheets uh, feels weird saying four that when I don't actually have them published, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. But they're all drafted and we're just waiting on layout at this point. Um, anyway. Yeah. We're going to have those four. And then we also have a list of six character archetypes, which you can uh, use as pre-generated characters to play through those adventures. If you don't want to create your own, or if you're coming to it before you actually have the full book. So you don't have all of the character creation information. All right. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. So is there uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think is important that someone might want to know in deciding whether or not they want to go support this? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we really care about at the Mythic Gazetteer is supporting uh, communities and people like, you know, we're, we're all nerds. We all have been bullied as children and we all have had uh, trouble with our friends and neighbors either understanding or getting enthusiastic about the things that we love, you know. And so we want to create a really supportive community. And one of the ways we're doing that is, is we're making sure that we hire people to do our work that uh, maybe not that maybe don't get the exposure that they normally do in our community. You know, so we've got a lot of uh, women and people of color who are our artists, we've got a lot of writers who are really wonderful writers, but they don't have a lot of publishing uh, or publishing exposure under their belts yet. So we're using this as an opportunity to help them get their words out there because, I mean, we too are really new to this. <laughs> and the more time we spend in the online role-playing game community, the more we find out that it's such a group effort and it's such a strong community of people who are saying like, hey, you know, I don't have any money. You don't have any money. Maybe we can swap something like I'll do some work for you and you do some work for me. And we really love that atmosphere. And so we want to we want to do what we can to foster that 
across the board in, in all parts of the hobby, both the adventuring and the writing of the adventures and the creation of art and layout and all that stuff. The barter system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we are, I, I should say also, I mean, as I mentioned, I'm an actor in my other other life and uh, I have been pretty much my whole life. And so it's really important to me that artists and creative people are paid fairly for their work. Like I, I can't overemphasize that enough. I, I love paying creative people for their talent and their time. <laughs> and so all of our artists and all of our writers are getting industry standard rates. But at the same time, in the wider community, it's really cool to see people coming together for hobby projects and stuff like that. Oh, that's that's cool. And, and, and I wasn't insinuating they weren't getting paid right. fairly, but I'm right. glad you did, did. I'm glad you clarified just in case, because there is there is some of that in our industry where people do want, you know, again, I'll pay you an exposure. You you do something for me and then I'll let people see it. And and that's, you know, what I have to exchange. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I worked for exposure dollars for many, many years and they never <laughs> once bought me a single thing. So <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I just don't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to put somebody through that. <laughs> and again, I do. I do think that is great. So, yeah. Eli, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really hope anyone listening, please go check out the Kickstarter. See if this is something you want to support, whether again, would be a donation or to get a copy of the book or just telling somebody if Savage Worlds isn't your isn't your thing. If the Blackwood doesn't sound like the type of game that you'd like to play, you probably know someone that does like Savage Worlds or would like that. You can do a lot to help a first-time creator just by spreading the word in your social groups and your social media groups. So I definitely hope we can get some eyeballs over to your project, and I wish you the most success and hope that you can get all those stretch goals and make a beautiful book. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, parting words, I wanted to say also, I would love anybody who wants to write with questions to us. Like, we love talking about the setting. We love talking about what we do and what we plan to do. And so please don't hesitate to give us a call or like to shoot us an email or hit us up on Facebook or G plus or anywhere. Like I, I love talking to everyone. So <laughs> feel free. And again, if you have any contact information, I can throw that in the show notes as well. Emails, Twitter. Do you have a, a G plus community or are you part of other communities about Savage Worlds? Is there a Blackwood community? Uh, you know, there isn't at the time of this recording, but I think I'm probably going to start one for now, though. You can just look me up personally on Google Plus. That's where I post all my stuff. Uh, yeah, Eli Kurtz. I don't have a I don't have a fancy name over there or anything. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, once again, thank you for your time tonight, Eli. Best of luck with the, the campaign. And we will definitely check in on you and see how you're doing. That sounds great. Thanks, Michael. This was a really fun time. Thank you, sir. And everyone, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. 
Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Right.